You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Podcast Detroit. This is Liz Life Guru. This is Liz Reed, your resident guru here. I'm happy to be here today. We're going to be talking about a really intense subject. This is about loving an addict. Um, in one way, shape, form, or another, we have all loved somebody in our family who is addicted to one substance or another. Uh, this is challenging, um, heartbreaking, difficult, a family destroyer, a marriage destroyer, and generally... Um, a really tough situation that we find ourselves in. Today, I have two great guests here. Shannon, who you recall from episode five, who gave us our great insight on her heroin addiction and her rise from the flames into a successful young lady who is now a has her master's in social work. How are you, Shannon? Good to see you, sweetie. I'm good. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. Also, Shannon's going to be visiting me on a regular basis here on the podcast uh, and give us more of her insight on addiction because I think this is truly important for everyone to be aware of what we're dealing with, the people that we deal with in addiction, and not just our own addiction, but the people we encounter in our families and friends, and we'll be able to get a great insight. Additionally, I have today Neva, who is a client of mine and also a sweet, sweet friend. Mm. <laughs> Neva has intimate and personal close knowledge of what it's like to love an addict. How are you, Neva? I'm good, Liz. I'm good. I'm, I'm happy so, to be here. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. Part of our growing process when we're going through something like this is uh, speaking our truth, right? Telling about it, realizing yes. it. The more we talk about it, like I've always said to you and I've said to every patient that I've had, um, talking about it, saying it, purging this stuff is what sets us free and lets it not control us any longer. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be a great show today. I'm going to read a quick disclaimer. The information in the podcast is for educational purposes. Purposes only and is not meant to replace treatment or diagnosis by a qualified mental health professional, as I always state, which is me, but that's okay. I'm off duty right now. I'm doing my thing. So, ladies, what do we say about being in love with an addict? It's a bitch. It's a tough one, right? Amen. Yep. Shannon, you and I go way back to um, Sacred Heart, where I did my graduate work. Right. And you were one of my patients there. When I first met you, you were in love and involved with an addict as well as, as fighting your own addiction at the time. Um, what was going on there? How long had you been with him? Um, at the point I met you, I well, I've known him since elementary school. So that was part of when I ran back into him. Mm -hmm. um, it was years after high school. I want to say maybe like a year mm -hmm. or so. Okay. And um, Neva, that's interesting. I'm going to throw this out there. You've known who is currently your husband mm -hmm. since you were a young girl too, right? Yes, we dated when we were younger. Um, mm -hmm. I think I was 16 and he was 15. And yeah, um, we went our separate ways, you know, for different reasons. But um, we reconnected about four years ago. Yeah. 
maybe five now, five mm-hmm. years ago. So, Well, you know, there's something to that. There's something about having a history with somebody from when you were young mm-hmm. or a child that and there, that even creates a deeper connection, right? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, we see a lot of addicts. There's a movie out there. I forget what it's called, Addicted Love or something like that. It's on HBO. It's phenomenal. It's about being addicted, ripping and running together and running scams and getting – it was in, it takes place in New York City, a bunch of different couples that are supposedly couples that – um you know, they don't even have sex or anything because it's all about just the addiction, you know, but it's how um, distorted and twisted their relationship is. But unfortunately, when one gets sober or one is sober, I've seen so much of this in my practice, strong, dominant women with careers like you, Neva, you have an excellent career um, with a man who's unable to keep himself under control and get rid of his demons and his addiction. Right. Yeah. And so constantly that adds to the what am I doing? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. The insanity in my sanity. Absolutely. And one thing after another. And then our, as things go on, but we always have the uh, things go on that get worse and worse and worse, right? Mm -hmm. Our expectations get lower and lower and lower of what they can do. Okay. You do this. That's it. You do this. That's it. And I, and and there's never that's it. Mm -hmm. It's always. Okay, well, there's some extenuating circumstances. He's back now. He's he's He didn't really mean it. I've known him since I was a kid. Whatever it is, you know, we become addicted to the addicted. And there doesn't seem to be a healthy outcome until we finally come out of the cloud. So that's kind of one of the good things I want you to talk a little bit about, Shannon, is where did it, where did it start and how did it go for you? Just the whole journey of being... With him, with him. Yeah. And I remember you were saying, you know, I tried to save him. I was trying to save him. When did Mm -hmm. you finally realize you couldn't save him? Oh, got it. Well, um, we were together on and off like over seven years. So I was already deep into addiction as far as pills. And ever since I can remember outside of high school, Uh um, when I ran back into him, he was doing heroin. I was really naive to it. I didn't even know what he was doing. Um, But eventually I'd ran out of Vicodins at one point and he had offered me that and Mm-hmm. Um, that started that whole game um, immediately after within months of doing the heroin, I sought out rehab and realized like I was totally fucked basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from that point, it was this back and forth of he was going to get help. He was going to go. Yeah. Um, a couple of times he did, he did a lot of, um, medication maintenance. So he went on Suboxone and you would think everything was fine, mm-hmm. but come to find out he was using Suboxone and the heroin still, or then doing mm-hmm. Suboxone and crack or, mm-hmm. um, we played that game and through the midst of that, I stayed clean and, and didn't kind of back and forth, um, with him until probably like, well, like the last four years, um, I was clean for over a year or so and had nothing to do with him. Didn't talk to him. Uh huh. And somehow, I don't know if he got in contact with me social media wise or something and went back and I was going to try to save him. Um, he got to a point where he was said he was clean and doing good and I thought everything was great. Um, and it wasn't turn, you know, come to find out he was still using, he got arrested basically. That's how I knew I, I didn't know where he was. He was supposed yeah. to come over and was in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point I relapsed again and it wasn't with him. It was just emotionally because I couldn't handle what was going on and, mm-hmm. um, just not being able to be with him, I guess. Cause at that point I still wanted to, Yeah. uh, he went to jail for like a year. And then I was, um, or something like that, because I was almost like, over like 18 months clean. I ended up mm-hmm. getting back in contact with him. I think I actually saw him out 
and wanted mm-hmm. to see how he was doing. Um, mm-hmm. And you'd think, you'd think, excuse me, but going to jail would be like a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, I don't want to be dating a felon, mm-hmm. but that doesn't matter at no. that point, <laughs> does it? Yeah. I mean, one one thing leads to another. Go ahead. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So the ending of it, basic. So at that point, I was over a year and a half clean. I was in my master's program mm-hmm. um, going into the second year. Got back in contact with him, was going to save him. Um, of course, at this point, my family doesn't want me to have anything to do with him. They didn't not. when they found out that he was the one that first put a needle in my arm. So yep. that was all secret. So I went from like solid in what I was doing and good and, you know, improving my mm-hmm. life and clean to telling lies again and sneaking around and to protect um, him. Yeah. Not, yeah. Not, not wanting my family to know yep. that I was talking to him. Um, so he was attempting to get clean i took him to the hospital with abscess in his arm i took him to rehab he would leave like this back and forth game eventually we got to the point where he was on or he was supposedly clean you know we went up north um to his mom's cottage for the fourth or for um new year's Mm -hmm. new year's eve so i ended up drinking with him that night which was an absolute nightmare it ended with him shattering my windshield and okay um I don't even know how we got back to the cabin that night. So we drove home the next day. Uh, he was going to go into rehab. We got back to actually his mom's house because she wasn't home. Uh, I went to take a shower and I left. And when I got out of the shower, he had stolen my keys and took my car. Whoa. Okay. And was um, obviously going to use. And mm-hmm. God, them, I never even, I don't think I've shared this with anybody. When I was sober at that point, I had drank the night before, but I was primarily sober and just mm-hmm. emotionally um, I was just so done. I went in his basement and he had like cable cords from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And I just, I didn't even, I didn't want to die, but I wanted him to know how bad I felt. Sure, so basically sure. um, made it look like I had hung myself. Okay. From, so that he, when he did come back with my car, eventually kind of a thing. Um, and eventually he did. And that's the, when I left, because I realized the point of which where I was at, sure. you know, and uh-huh. that it wasn't going to stop. Um, and it didn't. He continued to, he stopped when he went to jail and he mm-hmm. went to jail again for another year. Um, and I just had con- like minimal contact with his mother. So I knew what was going on kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and still to this day, he's still using, I um, mm-hmm. ran into his brother randomly and he was, he was actually in the hospital with an abscess again. And yeah. Still doing, and that was, um, so it's been like two years. And, and you know, I don't want to give the impression that it's only women, you know, trying to save men. I mean, it goes the other way. I mean, I have a little story I'll, I'll share. Well, it's a big story, actually. It was a huge component of my life with my husband. He was trying to save his his wife forever, even after he, she was his ex-wife. She was addicted to methamphetamines and crack cocaine. And, Neva, I know your husband is addicted to crack cocaine. And that is that is a real mind messer. Okay, it is it is really bad. About nine hundred fifty thousand people are addicted to illicit drugs as of two thousand sixteen. God only knows where we are right now. Most of these are men. Uh, they're most likely to use, and they're most likely to OD and end up in ER. Um, women are just as likely to develop an addiction, but they're also more likely to get sober if you know if properly. Healed. So when we're referring to illicit drugs, we're referring to peel, or, excuse me, pills, heroin, crack cocaine, marijuana, and alcohol. Women are really prone to stimulants because estrogen increases sensitivity. Did you know that? 
That was pretty no. interesting. I didn't know that either. Men over women exhibit cognitive abnormalities when they're using illicit drugs in the frontal lobe, which is our decision-making area. Mm-hmm, right. Okay? So, you know, you throw any one of those drugs in there. Men are having a hard time with that frontal lobe anyways. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. <laughs> Up until, you know, more men, young men die before the age of 24 due to some ridiculous decision they made to do, run, run something faster or take more of something illicit or do something stupid, and they end up dying from it. Um, but for the most part, what I see in my practice are women trying to save men. I have quite a few different women that I see right now that, but Liz, I don't understand. I don't get it. I've done this. I've done that. And they aren't going along with the program. Or maybe if I do more, maybe if I say more, maybe if I give more, that will, that will help. And you're just, you know, at one point, I believe you're begging and pleading, right? Mm-hmm. You know, just trying to hang yourself. Right. Maybe this will get his attention. Maybe he'll understand now what I'm trying to say. Right. But uh, as I've said to Neva and other patients and to you, um, they can only get sober if they want to get sober. Correct. There is absolutely nothing you can do to get them sober unless they want to get sober because you're talking to mm-hmm. their addiction. And when they're fed up, like when I was fed up with my using, that's it was over. There was nobody who could take me back. That That's just it was a, a done deal. It was It was done for. Um, Neva, tell us a little bit about your story, and then we'll kind of interact everybody's story and see how many really bizarre similarities there are there. <laughs> how did you meet? You met him in school? Yeah, we met in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, your your typical childhood romance, uh-huh. and um, it ended abruptly, and we just we went our separate ways. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I got married, had two daughters. He got married, had two daughters. Mm-hmm. And um, I happened to be working a couple blocks from where he was living at the time. And he reached out to me on social media and um, just started a friendship. Mm-hmm. And I would go over and see him. Um you know, he had suffered a significant loss the month before, so mm-hmm. he was deep in depression. Um, but at that time, he was um, living a clean life. Okay. Um, attending church. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you, you know, know he had any problems with addiction in the past at that point? Yes. Okay. But you thought he was clean and things were good. And they were okay. at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as his depression got deeper... Um, was when he, you know, just went back to using again mm-hmm. because it's it's his go-to. It's the only thing he knows. Mm-hmm. It's what mm-hmm. he grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And, you know, we could get do a whole show on the backstory of your husband yes. and I'm sure your boyfriend on the shitty past or whatever it may be that led to or the inc- the trauma or past trauma that they've had. I know your husband had extensive past trauma, um, but... Clearly, and then there's other people who don't have any. They just like getting high, mm-hmm. you know, and then this leads to a downward spiral. Correct. So um, I know he had a lot of issues coming from his childhood moving forward, but it ended up ultimately with him using. Correct. Mm-hmm. And it was a few different things. And then he kind of fettled, settled on something or? Well, I think it's always, you know, just been for him, the alcohol, um, he smokes marijuana mm-hmm. and, you know, the crack addiction. Um, 
you know, he kind of just seems to fall back on it. Um, his addiction is interesting, though, because he can go months without drinking. Yeah. Um, he can go weeks without using. Um, mm-hmm. And then just out of the blue, mm-hmm. he'll disappear, you know, for a night. Yeah. And then he'll come home, you know. So it's not it's not that he's a daily user, which is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is his go-to. Yeah. You know, when the demons start roaring in his head, there is absolutely no stopping him mm-hmm. at all. There isn't anything anyone can say or do. Mm-hmm. He's just gone. When did you realize that things were getting really bad? How long were you into this? Um, Probably a year. Mm-hmm. Um, he had ended up moving in with me. And... um. I'm not really sure what happened, but all of a sudden he started the disappearing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I got educated real quick yeah. on what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you become a technical whiz. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You can track them down. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No more things than I really want to know. I'm kind of exactly. Like and a population own. you don't want to know. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I kind of, you know, just defeat myself by doing things I shouldn't do, you know, trying mm-hmm. to track him down and figure out what's going on. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's a that's a lot of part of my backstory is being a collector. Mm-hmm. You know, I've done it since I was a child, you know, trying to collect the people that, um, you know, people picked on or made fun of mm-hmm. or had bad childhoods and I, they were going to be my friend and I was going to take them in and I was going to, you know, take care of them. And yeah. I, you know, it's, it's been a process for me realizing why I am who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it goes back to my childhood. Sure. So, um, and, and, you know, and Tossin, you're adopted. I am. Th- that's, that always comes up in some way, shape, or form mm-hmm. with um, kind of abandonment issues and mm-hmm. wanting to take in and save and help others. Correct. You know, so where did you find yourself, both of you, really? Where did When did you find yourself giving up yourself and were focusing more on them? You know, are they okay? What do they need? And putting your own well-being behind you. What would you say, Neva? Um, I think... When he got, you know, back deep into his addiction where mm-hmm. um, it was actually becoming more than, you know, like just a once a week thing, my life literally was just spiraling out of control um, and my need to control made it even worse. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just literally putting my whole life on the back burner, um, trying to save him you know what what can i do what can't i do mm-hmm. if i do this maybe he'll do this if uh, you know it's like what you said earlier if i love him more he'll stop if yeah. he sees me cry he'll stop if he knows it's hurting his children he'll stop yeah he's it that's not how it works mm-hmm. um you know and at one point i gave him an ultimatum and i said you know he he had been out on a binge he came home in the morning um, and I said, you know, you're either going to pack your stuff and get in your car and leave, or you're going to take the bags that I have packed for you and we're headed to rehab. Mm-hmm. Um, and he chose rehab, which was surprising to me. Yes. Um, it was his seventh attempt. 
mm-hmm. at rehab, but this time it was out of state. So I basically dropped him in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. No phone, no money, no nothing, and said, figure it out. You know, this is a really good place. Figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, again, trying to fix him. And then what did you do against direct orders? <laughs> What did you do against direct orders, Neva? <laughs> By me, I might point out. <laughs> what did I do? Did I go see him? Did I re? You, you know, married him? It? Oh, I did. <laughs> yes, you married him while he was in rehab. Now, Shannon, mm-hmm. why is that a bozo? No, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a mountain of reasons, but yeah. What would you say off the top um, of your head? Well, he's just not in any place to think correctly to make a decision like that. Honestly, exactly. that's what I had to learn, that it was mm-hmm. my enabling and mm-hmm. whatnot that was actually a hindrance. Like, what right did I have to jeopardize his recovery by interfering and injecting? Sure. But, you know, <clears throat> but the thing is, what is what do you know? You don't know. You're thinking this is a good idea. You guys have talked about it in the past. You're mm-hmm. like, we're in a good place. He's, you know, And we're always hoping that this is the last time. You know, this is now that we're married, now that we've got this together, he's going to graduate from rehab. It's all going to be good. How long was it, honey, before um, he fell off the wagon again? Um, He came home. Gosh, I want to say, was it November or December um, of that year? And I think he was back at it by April, mm-hmm. April or May. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he really did try. He yeah, did. He tried. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we were we were both advised by, you know, the the workers at uh, the rehab that he was at um, not to get married. You don't make any life changes in that first year. No, you know, and not there's, at all. There's a reason behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, we did it anyways, you know, because love conquers all. Sure right? does. It's, it's going to save everything. Well, thank God you didn't have a baby, too. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no more babies. Please, no. That would have just solidified the nightmare. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Yeah, that would have made it spiral even worse. Sure. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so we've kind of just been working through it. It's been really messy, and I've really lost a lot of who... I am. Yeah. But I think I also didn't know who I was. Sure. So um, in the midst of the insanity, um, I have emerged, you know, Mm -hmm. in in figuring out who I am and why I do the things I do and think the way I think um, to become stronger. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I do realize I cannot fix him. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I've attended Al-Anon meetings. I read the books. Yeah. Um, I do a lot of following on social media. And, you know, it's helped me to stay in my lane. Mm-hmm. You know, he, whether I like it or not, I have to respect him as mm-hmm. a man, as a human being, mm-hmm. and the decisions that he makes, even if I don't like them. Yeah. He's going to do what he's going to do. But you don't have to put up with them. No. That's the thing. That's right. where this all gets twisted and convoluted is, mm-hmm. you know, are we, are we going to sit in this shit? Are we going to continuously let them go out, be promiscuous, do whatever they want and blame it all on, I'm in active recovery. I'm doing my best. I, You know, mm-hmm. I mean, no, no. 
No, I don't, you know, I mean, that was one of the things that upset me most about saying, you know, relapse is part of recovery. I mean, it was really a scapegoat mm-hmm. for a lot of people. That's fine, but don't take the whole damn family down with you. Right. And, you know, um, I've talked about my brother being a heroin addict when I was a young girl. And, you know, I have often said that dwarfed the death of my father. My father died the year before, and that was bad enough. But my brother's heroin addiction was by far worse than even the death mm-hmm. of my father because of the chaos it created for everybody. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that I want to talk about, Shannon, shed some light on this, you know, how our standards and expectations for the person that we're with lower and lower and lower, right? We get right. into this relationship, we're like, okay, we're in a relationship, this is monogamous. Next thing you know, you're turning around, you're hoping to God he's going to come home, and you're hoping that he's going to not bring somebody with him, you're hoping you're not going to find a pile of condoms in his car, you're hoping that you're not going to find him with a prostitute, you're hoping that he's getting his... uh you know, um, that he hasn't spent every single cent he has on him, you know, and, and you've got a pile of bills and responsibilities at home and you find yourself just picking up the pieces continuously, you know, right. what would you, what would you say about that? What, what about, what about getting you know, your standards getting lower and lower for the person you're with? And it's, you know, it's just, it's like an abusive relationship. Right. Um, I think it's hard because you, uh, your emotions take over and everything gets blurred. That was like that last, just in that last segment that I talked about, what happened prior to that night after um, New Year's was literally I was trying to stop him from using from like October until December. Yeah. But because we had used together at one point, the dysfunctionality of it, I was going down to dope houses and literally like kicking in doors. Like I dragged him out of a house at one point. He would go down without a car and I would drive around at three in the morning. I found him walking in the middle of the winter. Um, literally the middle of the night with nothing and would drive him home. Um, his mom was so caught up in the chaos too. She was driving him down there to get, to use it because it was easier. Like all these things I was doing completely, not only jeopardizing my life and my sanity and my yeah. sobriety, mm-hmm. you know. So I think it was kind of a um, slow progression and an addict. I was one myself. So you're the most manipulative person in the world. And unfortunately, I could not see what I was doing to my family when I was in it. I wasn't capable. Like you said, your frontal lobe was completely bypassed. I was yes. not capable of acknowledging and accepting what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And the more the consequences are blurred and my family was trying to cover and take care of tying all those things, mm-hmm. it made it easier and easier. So them enabling me kept me in that illusion and of mm-hmm. which I couldn't see through. Being on the other side, that was the most painful experience I've ever been through. Out of all 10 plus years of my own addiction and everything that yeah. I've done, trying to save him was by far much more painful. Well, you feel so helpless. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Do you feel helpless, Neva? I do. Yeah. And and part of the manipulation that the addict will use is if you don't take me to get my shit, then I'm going to go by myself or I'm going to steal this and I you're driving me to do this. You know, or you've upset me so much, why the fuck would I ever get sober? You know, that kind of manipulation. And in over time, it grinds you down to a nub that you start believing what they're saying. Right. To some degree, you do. Right. Right. I thought he needed me. He could not yeah. survive without me. If I left him, what would happen? He would die. Well, that was two years ago. And that was my greatest fear. And with heroin, you know, like I yeah. can't even tell you how many friends, good friends that I've buried. Oh, like it's just, it's a real reality. So it's not like this outlandish illusion I no. created. Every single day, mm-hmm. I wait for a call that, you know, he's dead. Yeah. But... He's managed for another two years now, and I just keep thinking about if I would have stayed, 
you know, the mm-hmm. how, like I probably wouldn't be alive myself or God knows I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. Absolutely. You know? And it's amazing how resourceful they are. <laughs> They're not stupid people. Mm-hmm. They're very resourceful. They can get money out of air anywhere to feed their addiction. And to do whatever they need in order to get what they need. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll walk over people. They don't give a shit. They don't care. They don't care who they're hurting. Well, they're thinking with a, with a fog, drug-addicted mind. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the other things that I tell patients all the time, too, is, you you, you know, that's why making, um, getting married or doing making any big decisions or even having a relationship, you need to take some time because your neurotransmitters within your brain need to all remap themselves so you're, you don't even know who you are. You don't know what your favorite color is because it's mm-hmm. all been focused on getting high again, getting high again. And that's part of the thing that goes on with addiction also. You don't have to use every day to be an addict. Mm-mm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not, it's it's a compulsion that it's it's something that okay, I can do four days, I can do five days, but on that sixth day, mm-hmm. you everybody better watch out because I'm on my way, and I'm going, and there's nothing you can do to stop them, and you've tried, right? He's you, just white knuckling. Yes, that's what I call it, white knuckling mm-hmm. till his next fix. Absolutely, you know, and I know uh, we've had this conversation, Neva, before, and and. Every woman that I've ever been with, I've had this conversation. And these are strong women that can get men, good men. They don't need to be dealing with this bullshit with an addict, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, why is he coming back to me? Why does he come back? If he just wants to be single, just wants to be alone, why Why is he coming back? Well, you're his rescuer. There's food mm-hmm. in the refrigerator. There's a warm bed. There's a shower. And you've gotten to the point now that you've put up with so much shit from him that you accept just about anything he's going to say because your standards have gotten lower and lower and expectations for them. Right. You're like, you're like, if he just comes home, I'm, I'm good. Right. I know he's alive. Or at least mm-hmm. then just text me. Let me know you're alive. Yep. Mm-hmm. What a way to live. <sighs> right. <laughs> yeah. And so how many, how many years, I mean, how many years do we feel like we've wasted? I mean, it seems it's like a waste because I know these guys because right. I've cured, I've worked with, I've helped and I've done my best with so many of them. They do just fine without mm-hmm. us. That was hard to, to accept them. too because mm-hmm. I put in all that time and I was what, 29 when I started talking to him again. So I wasn't young and up until, well, I guess more like 27 or so, but it was like 36 or so by the time I finally was able to just stop. Yeah, but that was, whole, you know, like I was supposed to marry him. We were supposed to have kids. There was all these sure. dreams that we had and he kept promising and promising. Mm-hmm. And so I kept holding on to that hope that one day it would change and one day it would be different. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't even ever that in the first place. Like I had created this illusion and this dream of something that I wanted that never even existed, let alone like to go back to. You know? Sure. And then there's also that faint hope, right, Neva, of, you know, in the I remember him. Mm-hmm. I remember who he used to be. Um, I know what he can be. Those glimpses when he is sober of the guy that you want him to be, mm-hmm. but he can't keep it up. Right, right, yeah. I always used to, you know, look into his eyes and I would tell him, I see you in there. Mm-hmm. I remember who you are, who you can be. Yeah. You know, where did he go? Mm-hmm. And... um you know, I think he internally really struggles with that. You know, mm-hmm. the, this last time he used, uh, it was a pretty big event. And um, the next couple of days, he just really struggled with, you know, 
where did his passion for life go? Why, you know, why does he, you know, continue to do this? And, um, you know, when, when he knows he has the potential to live a better life. So I know that he's dealing with things internally and he's got to do that journey on his own. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I have my own journey. I have to take Mm -hmm. care of me and, um, I just got to get out of his way. But you know, love also, those are manipulations. Mm-hmm. Those are manipulations. You agree with that, Shannon? Wholeheartedly, because I, I did it yeah. for years and years and years. Yeah, it's, um, who am I? Why am I like this? Why mm-hmm. am I doing this to you? I hate who I am. And that gives you that small glimmer of hope that maybe this time is going to be different than the other times. You know, it's like a, a habitual cheater. Or mm-hmm. anything. I don't want to be this person. I don't know why it is we see a man cry and we fall fall to pieces. Mm-hmm. I know I do. I always feel horrible when a man cries, you know. But it's it's is an art of manipulation. And then, but they can turn on a dime. Mm-hmm. You know, when they're hungover, they've come back. Their tails between their legs. They feel like shit. They're going to tell you anything you want to hear. And right. but but you know what? I don't want to take away from that. That I bet he does hate himself. Yes. I bet they both hate themselves for mm-hmm. what they've done and who they've become. Mm-hmm. But they just don't know how to get out of it. And you can give them all the tools in the world but and, and be as kind or do whatever you can. Threaten as much as you want. That's another one that doesn't work. Threat, 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 Mm-mm. threat, threat, threat. Threats don't work. But until they figure it out for themselves and understand that these consequences are for real. That is the only thing that works with addicts is consequences. Would you agree with that, Shannon? I do. Yeah. If you're, you know, you will absolutely never set foot in this house again. If you use again, you got to don't say it unless you mean it. Right. And I knew what my parents would and wouldn't do. And I knew how to manipulate them into getting back. What do I want? Yeah. Or getting back in their good graces. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. a game that you play. It is. And it's extremely difficult and stressful, um, but that's how it keeps going. And so, so someone who is addicted will go from one person to another. You know, when you become too difficult for them at some point, when you are too up and in their grill all the time and giving them too much trouble, they'll move on to like their next right. victim, somebody else who will take you them don't in. serve your purpose anymore. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah. Then they'll move on to somebody else. Um, interestingly, one of my other patients who was, you know, was, her biggest fear is seeing her coming home and her boyfriend's dead. Well, he just took off a couple weeks ago from North Carolina. <laughs> He's gone. Just gone. And that's my biggest fear for all of the people that I treat is that when they're done, they're done. And then you just feel like, wow, okay, it wasn't that the last and ultimate kick in the teeth. I've been here for you every inch of the way, and now you're just going to take off. Because why? Because I want anything or need something from you. You know? Mm -hmm. It's really, really unfair. Right. How do you feel about what's going on now, Neva? Where are you now? Um, Probably still in, you know, denial. Mm -hmm. Um, What What do you mean denial? What does that look like? Thinking, you know, that he's trying to uh-huh. um, stay sober or not use. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to believe the good person in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
So I just, I, I've literally just started focusing just on myself. That's all you can and, do. And, um, you know, trying to heal myself and do things for myself without feeling guilty. Um, I have set boundaries. Mm-hmm. And um, when those boundaries were crossed, there were consequences and I have stuck to it. It, Good. it took me a long time to do the follow through, but now I'm doing the follow through. Mm-hmm. And... um I mean, I don't know if he thinks I'm serious or not. I don't know if it affects him or mm-hmm. not. But I have to do what I need to do to stay sane yeah. and and healthy. It is insane. And right. healthy. Because mm-hmm. it really does affect my health um, when I get sucked into that. Absolutely. You've had trouble mess. with anxiety. Mm. Yes. You've been to ER a couple of times with panic attacks yes. and thought you were having a heart. You did have a heart attack, didn't you? No, I did not. Oh, you did not. No. That's another patient no. that did actually have a heart mm. attack. Okay. No, but that's what it feels like. Sure. You know, it really does feel like that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, well, you're going to stay overnight and we're going to do some cardiac testing. Yeah. And it's like, I'm thinking, why is this happening to me? I'm a really good person. And, yeah. you know, now I'm going to have a heart attack and die uh-huh. <laughs> because I want to hang on to, mm-hmm. you know, this relationship. Mm-hmm. Shannon, what do you mm-hmm. think about that being in disbelief or... It's weird sitting next to somebody that's been, you know, because yeah. I can see myself and I said those things. Um, but you can't be in denial when, when you know, you know, and that was yeah. just an excuse for me to stay there because I wasn't ready to accept that uh-huh. it was over and I needed to leave or, you know, mm-hmm. that I wasn't enough to save them kind of a thing. Um, how do we take steps to save ourselves? How do we take steps to get out? I mean, it was kind of one foot in front of the other, whether you believe it or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that's what I've told you, Neva. Yes. You know, it's just one foot in front of the other. I know I don't feel like this is what I want to do, but I know I have to. Right. Mm-hmm. That's exactly actually what my mentor said to me. Just keep walking, even when you don't want to, when you're mm-hmm. scared, when you're afraid, you want to sob, just keep walking. Yeah. And I think making those connections, though, um, like she kept asking, why won't you leave him? Why won't you? And I was like, because he loves me. That was, so I made this list and it was like, he loves me unconditionally. I can't leave him. He would, he's so loyal. He would never leave me. And because we had been through some addiction things together, there was a point where I was using and he wasn't, and he had told my parents and what all this, whatever, tried to quote, save me and took me to rehab like one time kind of a thing. But so I'm looking at that and it's like, she showed me that verse from, um, Corinthians, what is love is patient, it is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it isn't rude, it's not self-seeking, it mm-hmm. rejoices in truth. And it, our relationship was none of those things at all. So there yeah. wasn't that component. And I didn't realize in my own addiction too, like when you're so sick in that, you aren't capable of loving in any type of manner or taking care of anybody. Because I thought when I was going through that, I didn't see the chaos. And it's not that I didn't care, I just wasn't physically able to see the chaos that it had around me. I mean, that's what was actually the pivotal point of when I finally stopped using um, that I saw that was able to have that outside perspective of what my family was going through where I did finally, Mm -hmm. like something clicked in my head. But in the midst of it, I was not capable of loving anybody because I didn't love myself. Mm -hmm. And so I had to realize that he's in that same position. So he's not even capable of giving me what I need, you know, and he needs to do that on his own. No one could do it for me. And I yeah. needed everybody to step back and have that journey and figure out my own self to come mm-hmm. to a point 
where I could love myself and now, you know. But that doesn't mean it's over for life. I mean, let's say the dude gets five, six years, seven years sober. He's got it together. He's committed to working the program or whatever he needs mm-hmm. to stay sober. There's no reason why you couldn't pick it back up then. But this is a journey of sobriety. And I know this personally for myself that you have to take alone, mm-hmm. completely mm-hmm. alone. And that is one of the biggest fears an addict has is being completely alone. Mm-hmm. But yes. that's no one else can help you. Right. And that helped to tell myself too that um, it didn't have to be forever. If we were soulmates, like yep. I said, we were, and we had this connection, like I did with nobody else. That in the end, it would we'd come back together if we were meant to be. And mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, he's still not in that place. But mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you dating anybody else now? I am. You are. Yeah. What's he all about? What's he like? Um, he's actually in recovery. I'm in clean for several years. Um, not quite the. He was doing pills and such. Not. Um, I don't want to say it's bad because you shouldn't really one addiction from another, but yeah, um, sure. Well, it is, you know when we start shooting up, that's a whole new day. Yeah, it really that is took, a whole new was day. a whole new ball game yeah. for myself, hands down. Um, but it's interesting being in, I guess, quote normal relationship. This is the first relationship I've ever been in completely sober with somebody else too that is completely sober. So mm-hmm. it's interesting trying to navigate those wires, and I see all these things that are coming up from. Um, from being with my ex for so long that created this dysfunction. Like, uh, I think we started making it, um, we attach things to their actions and say that it's love, but it's not. And I think that was a sickness that where like he would do these things um, like my ex and then we'd make up and I'd get this feeling of like, well, he loves me or if he'd chase after me, just really, really dysfunctional things. Yeah. And I found myself like thinking like this, new guy who's normal and not doing these things well he must not love me because i you know and i'm playing sure. these games and i don't even sure. realize i'm doing it so it was very difficult to actually get in to like a functional relationship because you're used to just the so chaos. much chaos and craziness and my brain was just so distorted as to what real love was or why i was feeling certain things and mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, that's that, you know, that goes for anybody who's in any, uh, an abusive relationship or, and this is abusive. I mean, it is. It is. Lo- it's verbally, they say things, the lies, the lies. I mean, if we could add up the lies, dear God, the lies. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, Neva, I know you glaze over like a donut when I say lies. I mean, I just am so over it. I'm yeah. so over it. I'm just to the point where can you just tell me the truth? Cause, you know, I just feel like everything that, you know, comes out of your mouth at times is just all lies. And what really is the truth? Mm-hmm. And that makes me crazy. It just mm-hmm. makes me crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the hard part with, with Diva's situation is um, her husband works. He goes to work. He's a good worker, right? He is a very hard worker. Yeah. He has such a strong work ethic. and Isn't that weird? He but literally, it's true. It happens. That's what I did, though, throughout my addiction. Yeah. He, he breaks his back every single day. I mean, his job involves, you know, not just, you know, thinking, but physical labor. Mm-hmm. And he goes to work every single day. He, mm-hmm. he has never called in sick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I've said to him, numerous times that I wish he would take that ethic that he has for his professional life and apply that to his personal life because it makes him, it it would make him just such a better person. How does he describe the thought process to just completely shut down and, and just take off? 
he he doesn't have any control over it. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. He uh, it 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 starts if he drinks. Um, he, oh sure. He, he doesn't just <laughs> he he doesn't just randomly leave and go use. Okay. Um, it's it starts with that that first beer. Of course. And, 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 I mean, I know he has you know racing thoughts all the time, but mm-hmm. once he gets that alcohol in him, yeah, it's over. I mean, he knows exactly. You know mm-hmm. where he's going and what he's going to do, and sure. Um, you well, know, I, he's always got the people that you know just take him right in, and and that part of it makes me crazy too. Is sure that whole you know little sick community without a doubt. Well, that's people. how they make money. Okay, I used to say right. that to all my addicts all the time. Do you think you're going to go to the main dude who's really making money off all this? Not the dude on the bicycle selling the shit to you, mm-hmm. but the main dude who's the kingpin and all this and knock on the door and go, "Hey man, I'm I need a bag." Okay, he'll have you shot dead. Right. But first of all, you won't even know who he is. You know, that's like in Breaking Bad. The kingpin <laughs> was the guy who owned the chicken store. Okay, he wouldn't even acknowledge you. But those are the people making money. The right. rest of the people in addiction are just making money for that man. You know, everybody else is addicted and giving their money to some kingpin who doesn't give a shit if you live or die. No. You know, it's about taking it, reclaiming your life. And, you know, when I was in active addiction, I did a lot of cocaine. I did a lot of alcohol, especially in the 90s. I never lost a job. Actually, I was very successful as a chef and caterer. I was teaching at Williams-Sonoma and Sir La Table, for mm. God's sakes, writing their menus. I was, you know, catering to the who's who. I, I wasn't, it wasn't like you'd say, oh, what, you know, boy, is she really a fuck up, you know, no wonder, no wonder. You know, addiction takes on all different kinds of aspects. I never got fired from a job. I was in rehab. I had to cancel one party I was doing while I was in detox. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then I got out of detox. I'm like, damn, I could have made that money. I could have I could have pulled it off. Definitely. We're re- resourceful people. Very very re- resourceful. But the what the thing I would say, what would you say to the fact, Shannon, that he says he has no control? That's not true. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't until I decided that it was no longer an option for myself. Like, yeah, I sought out help, and there was plenty around me. Mm-hmm. And um, once I made the changes that I need to, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. you know I just wasn't willing to make those um, choices prior to that. Yeah, and you know I'm just I'm trying to think of what it is that you know we always talk about hitting bottom. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that uh, he's been bouncing off the bottom, Neva, for quite some time now, right? For years. For years. Mm-hmm. So I don't agree with that. I know I hit bottom mm-hmm. many times. I'm sure you did too, Shannon, yeah, right? Yeah, way harder than the last <laughs> time that I finally stopped. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, <laughs> actually, when I finally stopped, it, I wasn't at a bottom. Yeah. No. I was just kind of like, I remember looking at a glass of vodka and soda and going, okay, well, you know, there were circumstances going on with my uh, husband's family and so forth. And I remember just saying, what the fuck am I doing? This this is I better than this. And my brother Danny said that about heroin. He had that small shred of love for himself that he was like, what am I doing? What am I doing? This is absolute chaos and not worth it. And that's what made me think to myself, I just don't want this anymore. Mm-hmm. I just don't want it anymore. And it's just not an option. Right. I'll never pick up again. Right. And until that point. There wasn't anything that was going to stop me. You know, I had consequences. I was backed into corners to go to rehab. That's how I met you. Yeah. But 
mm-hmm. it wasn't going to stop until You'll, you know. And you once decided. I did, I had all control over that. You know that it is bullshit because you choose. I did the same thing with the drinking. No, I didn't go quite straight to the dope house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would drink first, but that was premeditated, and I knew exactly what was mm-hmm. going to happen when I started drinking. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, yeah. We always go through the, well, at least I'm not doing um, coke anymore. Okay. That for me, that's right. I never did crack because crack addicts were losers. Okay. (laughs) You can believe that, right? Mm. But I do a pile of cocaine, you know, there's no, you know, Uh, but then and drink, you know, vodka all night long. That's fine. I mean, it's amazing how we can get, uh, you know, snotty in the, (laughs) in our addictions, right? What's better than another? Um, I have patients, you know, I'll snort, I'll snort heroin, but I don't shoot it off. I'm not one of those. You know, Mm -hmm. and in reality, a lot of it is the same, although there are different drugs like heroin and crack cocaine and methamphetamines that are true mind melders. Mm -hmm. They really connect to that frontal lobe and say, you have no choice in the matter. You need me. You need me. You need me. I think more than anything. I I do think there's a difference. Right. Would you agree with that? Yeah, there there was a whole other ballgame because I would get sick of things prior to heroin. Like I did coke all the time. I dated someone who was selling it and it was just always there. Mm-hmm. And I, one day I was like, oh, I'm sick of this. And I stopped. And same thing with weed or drink. Like, yeah, I, there's yeah, there's just a different. And then and then we always go through the phase of, OK, so that was good. This is, you know, I'm not going to do coke anymore. OK, I'm not going to drink vodka anymore. I think I'll drink wine. And it kind of goes through the phases. But as soon as you pick up anything, you're right back to where you started from because we've just stimulated the dragon, as I call mm-hmm. it, that we're trying to get there and lie dormant and stay asleep, just like Schmaug, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's it, try to keep it, you just you just wake it up again, and smoking weed or anything just wakes it up again, keeps it alive because you're altering your brain chemistry, and until somebody has an active decision, what you know, what are you going to do? Right. Um, Neva, what is your plan going forward, my dear? Where are you right now? Um, you know, I had filed for divorce a couple months ago and, and the paperwork is filed with the court, mm-hmm. but in my heart, I'm not there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not what I want. It, it's, it makes me really sad that, um, I, I had to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And even at that point, he, you know, still used, you yeah. know, our, our marriage didn't mean enough you know it's always that you know when am I going to be enough when is our life going to be enough so Mm -hmm. I'm kind of just maintaining um I've literally just tried to let go of the control you Mm -hmm. know I've tried to control a lot of things um it has a lot to do with my profession and things so um I'm basically just trying to focus on me and, and my health and mm-hmm. um, my recovery, because I am addicted to his addiction. I'm addicted to his insanity. And, mm-hmm. you know, I remember you telling me, you know, how sick I was and, mm-hmm. and, and I couldn't see it. You can't see it when you're in the middle of that storm. Yeah. And, um, you know, a couple of things that you've said to me have been so influential in me getting to where I am now, you mm-hmm. know. You always say yoga mind, you know, just stay focused, yoga mind. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest things that you've said to me is move, 
Mm-hmm. Get up and move. Yeah. Because how easy is it for me to just curl up in a little ball and lay in my bed mm-hmm. and disassociate from literally life? Yeah. You know, I can function and get up and go to work and then I come home and I completely disassociate from everyone in my life. And mm-hmm. moving is very painful, but you have taught me to move. Good. And that has been, you know, a part of my healing. Good. I'm glad, and, honey. And regaining my health. Absolutely. So. And when you're that far in, that's literally all you can do. You know, you're not, you know, and that's part of the process. You and I have been doing this dance for a while, mm-hmm. you know, but I love you. I care about you. You can always call me. You know that anytime of day or night, I always answer. Mm-hmm. I get you in at a moment's notice. I know what you're going through and I don't judge you. I understand what it is to love somebody who's not good for you. Right. Whether he's an addict or not. Right. So yelling at somebody and going, you need to get rid of him today. You've got to mean that and want it yourself. You mm-hmm. can't tell somebody to end a relationship with somebody. They have to just, so they've got to want to do it themselves, but that, that is the focus. The focus is putting one foot in front of the other, do normal things. Mm-hmm. See people, go to lunch, go to dinner, whatever. They're not, you know, they're not going to come. Try to reduce the as much as you call them. Try to let things just kind of fall into place. See what happens. Get on with your life. Right. And then maybe you'll be able to make a better decision. I don't know. I, I, I think that is definitely the only way that somebody will ever leave an abuser or an addict is right. by allowing them to fall on their face, do their own thing, figure it out or don't figure it out because you certainly can't change them. You've God knows you've both tried. Right. You Absolutely. Know? Mm-hmm. Right. But living in that is just such a hell. And from when I was in addiction, I wasn't thinking about my mom or my dad or my son when I was doing what I was doing as my mom was laying awake at night wondering if I was going to come home or not. Yeah. So like with him, it was that obsession that she speaks of and, and they're they don't even get it or understand. They're not thinking about you. They're not wondering how you're mm-hmm. doing. They're not worried about you. Mm-hmm. And that hurts because you want them to and you want them to understand, but oh, they're sure. not capable of it. So You know, as I was stating at the beginning of the hour, my husband's ex-wife, they were divorced. He was glad they were divorced. He didn't want to be with her anymore. She was a methamphetamine addict. She was in really bad condition. His Her stepfather and her mother would call my husband and say, you got to go get her from the dope house. you got to go drag her out of there. So he's packing a load. He's got a gun on him. He's heading over there. He's dragging her out. He's this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, you didn't even love her. I was, we were talking about this last night. He goes, I was addicted to the whole wildness of the yeah. whole thing, the whole mm-hmm. – it was just crazy. You know, and I was, I felt like, uh, I don't know, Wyatt Earp out there, you know, I'm, uh, you know, some kind of SWAT team member, you know, and I'm going to save her. I'm going to help. This is this, my daughter's mother, even though I knew, you know, because he was raising Tori and he was just like, even though I knew that she was no good for our daughter, I would just go after and help all the time. And then when I moved in, I was like, where are you going? He's like, Louise is back at another dope house. I'm going to go get her. Which she ultimately died, by the way, two years ago of her methamphetamine addiction. And um, I was like, oh, hell no, you're not. You're not going anywhere. You're, we're married. We're a couple. You're not risking your life for her. He actually did shoot somebody and kill them. And they, t- they, they had reached into the car. This is before I got there. Reached in the car and tried to grab his daughter out of the back seat and run away with her. She was only three when, and her mother was at a dope house and mm-hmm. he was just trying to get her out there and he had a gun. The guy came and he shot him. He ended up 
they drug the body off. They could, he went directly to the police department and they came back and the body was gone. They couldn't find the body. Mm. He spent a week in jail. They investigated the whole thing. I mean, he admitted to it. You know, mm-hmm. he was in self-defense. Um, but, um, so he didn't do any jail time or anything for it, but he was, who lives like that? Right. That's right. crazy town. Yeah. Or just right. like hearing you speak, even like with the divorce, cause I would, Gander, think you're thinking if he does this or if he does that, I'll serve him and then it'll be done. Yeah. Oh, I lived like that for years with these ultimatums in my head and then they would happen and I would do nothing. And like that, just that repetition of that mm-hmm. and how it made me feel inside mm-hmm. was horrible. Absolutely. Do you, how do you, what do you see for your future, Neva? I don't know. Um, you know, I, I don't know where my future is with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm literally just taking one day at a time. Sometimes yeah. it's one minute and one second at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the Christian part of me, you know, wants it to be forever. Yeah. But, you know, when he disappears, I lay in bed and wonder, you know, is he going to come home or not? Or am I going to have a knock on my door? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I'm, again, just trying to focus on myself. Um, I recently started a new job that is going to open up some time for me to go back to school. Good. Um, I want to go back and get my master's. Right on. And become a nurse practitioner. Awesome. Um, Awesome. So I definitely have a goal set for myself. Mm -hmm. And I am making positive progress and moving towards that goal. Mm -hmm. So I'm just trying to stay focused on being healthy as mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. and moving towards that goal. What would either one of you ladies say to your children if they started getting involved mm-hmm. with someone who was an addict? What would Shannon, what would you say to your son? Oh God. Um, I guess you just need to instill that within him. What is his core values and have those boundaries of what he's willing to tolerate and mm-hmm. not, you know, cause that's what it ultimately came down to was my own self love. Yeah, And it's one thing to love somebody from afar and let them know that you're there, but not put myself in the midst of it and allow somebody to treat me like that and degrade me like that. And Yeah. You know. Sure. That's good until she were to show up and I'd be like, get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> you're never seeing them again. Right. I really, I do my best to keep that under control, but I would be like a crazy woman, right? What right. would you say to your daughters, Neva? You know, I, I've been thinking a lot about that lately because, you know, they their father, you know, is an alcoholic and it runs uh-huh. in his family, you know, so they've been subjected to that. Um, and neither of us have, you know, shown our daughters positive relationships. Yeah. So um, if I could take that part back of my life on what I showed them versus what I want for them, I I wish I could. I mean, I feel like you could do a whole show on, you know, the examples that we're setting for our children. And it's not really what Mm -hmm. we want for them. Yeah. Um, You know, I just try with my kids to, you know, instill Mm self-love, self-worth, self-value, and don't do what you've seen me do. Exactly. Please. 
Do as I say, don't do as I do. Correct. And and the best thing you can do is just keep loving your kids. Keep yes. kissing them. Keep hugging them. Keep telling them they're fabulous. And you're better than this. And mm-hmm. you know what? A good career, good goal setting, hitting their my adult milestones, making them get jobs, making them focus on a career. Make it, I don't care what it is in the trades right. or college or whatever the hell they want to do. As long as they do those and they move forward, that's all that really matters. Right. You know, um, I think we take a lot from this today we could do a pr- probably six shows on this in right. a heartbeat mm-hmm. right on the progress and how difficult it is to love somebody who's addicted right yeah it's a it's a tough tough journey i appreciate both of you ladies being here thank you neva thank you i know thank this wasn't you. easy for you to come but you're doing a lot of help for people who need this right now right. thank you shannon thank you i just uh, want to say one thing yes because really it absolutely in my head um i think for our own children though we can talk to her blue in the face it's what we do and what they witness that has the strongest effect on them so yep yes. moving forward right now i think is most important as far as ty seeing me have mm-hmm. self-love because then i can reflect that to him you know i i like that you say that because my sister brings my nieces to my office so they can see what it's like to have a career and be an independent woman and right. i think that is something that's super important that we need to let our children know you can be whatever you want okay as long as right. you put one foot in front of the other and do your very best. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you thank very you much, ladies, thank for you coming for having in. Me. Jessica, thank you uh, to my engineer, Jessica. Our outro today is from my brother, Danny, of course, and coup de trois. It is called White Trash Can. Mm-hmm. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram. This is Liz Reed, your resident guru. From my heart to yours, be good to you, okay? Namaste.